This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. says, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this ministry, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. If you don't understand the mystery of God, if you don't understand His Word or His ways, chances are that you will be wise in your own opinion. How many times have we fallen into that? We want to try to figure it out with our little mind. We don't depend on the Word of God. You've probably had times where you face a problem everyone has. What's your go-to response in that situation? Pastor Eddie will be encouraging you in today's message to seek direction from God instead of turning to your own ideas. You may come up with the most creative solution, but is it God's plan? He knows your future and how everything will work together in the best way. Rely on Him to guide you through everything. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Romans chapter 11 with today's edition of Running the Race. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, that they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given him? And it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glorified forever. Amen. Well, this morning we will conclude this section of the book of Romans. This section, chapters 9, 10, 11, Paul, when he writes his epistles, he always gives us doctrine first before we get to the practical. And many people just want to know about the practicals, the how-tos, but they don't want to learn doctrine. But in this letter of all of Paul's epistles, right in the middle of the doctrinal and the practical, he inserts three chapters, not that he wrote in chapters, because again, the Bible is not written in chapters and verse breaks, But he inserts this topic, this section about God's dealing with Israel. Where does Israel stand in God's plan? Where does Israel stand today? What is God's view of Israel in the past? 
present, and future. When we look at chapter 9, as we studied already, Israel's past. Chapter 9 is dealing with Israel's past, their election. God has sovereignly chose the children of Israel to bring forth the Messiah. They were chosen just to bring forth the Messiah, but he sovereignly chose them. And we see God's sovereignty in chapter 9. In chapter 10, we saw Israel's present state. They have rejected the Messiah. God has caused us a spirit of stupor on them. So because of that blindness, the Gentiles are now being blessed. But we also see in chapter 10 that there is a man's responsibility. God's sovereignty in chapter 9 and chapter 10, man's responsibility. Man has to answer. Man has a free will. So does Israel, every Gentile, every man. And then in chapter 11, we're coming to a close, is dealing with Israel's future. Israel's restoration, and it has to deal with God's promise to Israel in the dealing of Israel. And so we're closing our study of that section this morning. In our last study, the Apostle Paul tells us that we Gentiles have the wild olive branches have been grafted into the olive tree. This olive tree is the nation of Israel. We have been grafted in. He tells us in verse 17, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. So we've been grafted in. But here, he gives us a warning in verse 18. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. We serve a Jewish Messiah. We serve a Jewish Messiah. He came from the nation of Israel. And we should not forget that. But here we take the good thing is that because we've been grafting this olive tree, we're not just hanging, we're alive and, and we're thriving because of the root, the promises and all the blessings that God has given to Israel also applies to us because we've been grafted in. And so Paul says, do not boast. So you and I as believers in Christ, you Gentiles who believe in the Jewish Messiah, We've been grafted in together, Jew and Gentiles, in one in Yeshua, one in Messiah. And so now that takes us to the closing of passage of chapter 11. And so let us look at the passage verse by verse. Let us look at verse 25. In verse 25, Paul says, But I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. I do not desire that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now, he's addressing the brethren. Many uh, times in, in the other chapters, he says he refers to his fellow Israelites as brethren, his fellow countrymen. He's a Jew, so he's considering himself as a brethren to them. But here he's addressing the brethren, his brothers and sisters in Christ. And because you and I are in Christ, what does that mean? It applies to us. Paul is writing a letter to Christians, those who accepted Christ. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of this mystery. And it's sad to say that the church and its history we see has been ignorant of this mystery. He doesn't want us to be ignorant, unaware. Now, the word ignorant in the Greek is agnoeo, agnoeo. And so it sounds, even sounds more insulting as it does in the Greek than it does in English. We have used that word. You're so ignorant, it becomes very insulting. But it is the definition, not that, you know, uh, calling someone stupid in a way, but someone, the Greek definition is 
to be lacking in knowledge and information. Lacking in knowledge and information. And it's used 22 times in the New Testament. And sadly, if we look back at church history, we look back in church history, sadly we must admit that the church has been agnoeu, ignorant, when it came to Israel and God's plan for Israel. We look back at history, we find anti-Semitism, we find replacement theology, we find the persecuting of the Jews, all under the ban of Christianity. Nothing to be proudful about. And even still to this day, there are Christians who are ignorant, uh, Christians who lack knowledge regarding God's relationship, regarding the prophecies concerning the Jews, concerning Israel. And you cannot look at eschatology. You cannot study the end times. You cannot look at the book of Revelation and even in Matthew chapter 24 when it talks about the end times, the tribulation will take place after the tribulation without including the Jews. Because God is not done with Israel. He's not. He says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this ministry, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. If you don't understand the mystery of God, If you don't understand his word or his ways, chances are that you would be wise in your own opinion. How many times have we fallen into that? We want to try to figure it out with our little mind. We don't depend on the word of God. The last thing that I want to do, the last thing that I want to do is to lean on my own understanding concerning the things of God, especially concerning with the things of prophecy in the end times. God's ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, verses 89, the prophet Isaiah writes on behalf of the Lord, for the Lord said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In Job chapter 36, verse 26, it says, behold, God is great. We do not know him, nor can the number of his years be discovered. Paul, later on in chapter 12, he's going to repeat this phrase. In chapter 12, verse 16, he writes, do not be wise in your own opinion. And that's a recommendation. And it's serious that we need to not be wise in our opinion. And that's what happens. That's why there's so much false teaching, many doctrines, false doctrines, and so many denominations, so many practices that are in the church today because we want to be wise in our own opinion rather than seeking God's wisdom in his word. It becomes dangerous. What the Bible says is a way that seems right to a man, but at the end it leads to what? Destruction. When we try to be wise in our own sight, we become prideful. Knowledge puffs up. When we try to be wise in our own sight, in our own opinion, we become haughty. That we saw in verse 20 regarding the matters of Israel in particular. In verse 18, Paul says that we do not boast. We shouldn't boast. If you want to be wise... You want to be wise, you want to make wise choices, intelligent decisions in your life. Be not wise in your own opinion. Don't depend on your own wisdom. But look to God and his word. There is an answer 
for everything in life in Scripture. There's an answer for everything in life in Scripture. And I want to see God's wisdom in the matter. Especially now, we're keeping this in context. We're referring to Israel. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have this section in the book of Romans especially for Christians, because you, you find that, you know, you have Martin Luther, great guy, right? Nailed a thesis on the church. History, great. Reform, everything great. But guess what? He was an anti-Semite. He was anti-Semitic against Jews. And can you imagine, this is a man that actually, he translated the New Testament in Latin. I wonder what, what went through his mind. Did he fall asleep translating chapters 9, 10, 11? I'm no scholar, I'm not saying that I know more than Martin Luther, but I'm just saying it is clear here that God has not forgotten Israel, and there is a plan. Now, concerning this mystery, the word mystery in the Greek is mystorian, and it's used 27 times in the New Testament. And it doesn't mean something that's spooky and mysterious. It doesn't mean it's something that's difficult or impossible to understand or explain. But what it really means is that it was something that is hidden, but is now has been revealed. It's in Scripture. It's been written for many years ago, 2000s. We have it right here. It's been revealed. How did this information that's in Scripture slip throughout church history? The persecuting under the ban of Christianity, how did it slip? The mystery has been revealed. 2,000 years ago, when Paul wrote the book of Romans. You see, what happens? We become wise in our own opinion. And so then, what is this mystery? The mystery is God's relationship with Israel and God's relationship with Israel and the future restoration of the nation of Israel. God is not done with Israel. There's still a plan. God still loves them. The future restoration of Israel is not only a possibility, but when we look at scriptures and all of scripture and all the prophecies, it will happen. It will take place because God said it. And so we need to understand the fact and we need to apply it. When we, when we look at Israel, we need to pray for Israel. God is not done with Israel. And so he says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this ministry, of this mystery, sorry, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until there's a time the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So this blindness that we have studied in back in chapter 11, verse 8, where the Lord has given them a spirit of stupor, they are spiritually blinded to seeing that Christ is the Messiah. They are spiritually deaf. They cannot hear because the Lord has shown them the Messiah. The Lord has, they have failed to hear the voice of God that this is his only begotten son. And so because they have refused to accept that, the Lord has given them a spirit of stupor, it tells us in verse 8 of chapter 11. But this here is only temporary because we see the word until. Until, until when? until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What is the fullness of Gentiles? What is that referring? What is that talking to us about? The fullness of Gentiles refers to a time when the very last Gentile surrenders his or her life to Christ Jesus. When the last person 
has been born again and has been added to the church, making the church complete and ready for Christ to come. And when that happens, when that last person could be Arabic, it could be anyone. It could be the person in front of you in the line of Walmart. That last person could be a family member. That last person could be somebody in church that had been going to church but really never accepted Jesus Christ. It's a possibility. But that last person, when that happens, when they accept Jesus Christ and they're added to the body of Christ, that's the fullness of the Gentiles. Then we'll hear the trumpet sound. Then Christ would call up his church. Then the wedding would take place and we would be with Christ forever and ever. Saints, this is why we need to share the gospel. This is why we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're looking for that last person. And that's why we need to share. You want Jesus to come? You want Jesus to come back? Share the gospel. You might be the person to, you know, bring in that last person. And you can imagine, you know, it's like somebody goes into the old days when you, you were like the hundredth customer. Beep, 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 all the lights go on and balloons. And yeah, you are one thousandth customer. You won. You know, that's what's going to happen. The trumpet is going to blow. And the church is going to be caught up. The church is going to be raptured. Why? We're waiting for that last Gentile. That last Gentile. And if you're that person who has not accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior, hurry up. Don't hold the part parade. You know, you're holding us up. You know, there's much better things for us, I mean, in heaven than there is here. Now, When the church is raptured, caught up to be with Christ, that's when God's prophetic time clock begins with the nation of Israel. It begins with the nation of Israel. It's known as the 70th week of Daniel, found in Daniel chapter 9. Jacob's trouble, found in Jeremiah chapter 30. To us, we know it as the great tribulation. The seven years, found in Revelations chapter 6 through 19, and you find out why. Two-thirds of the book of Revelation deals with the great tribulation. You would think, wow, did God really wanted to start a novel. He wanted to give us all these little, you know, guru things with the dragons with seven heads. No. Chapters 6 through 19, you look at it as the great tribulation. I look at it as grace. God could have ended with just one bowl, one trumpet. But chapters 6 through 19, the great tribulation, it's God's grace. God is giving as much time as he has, because he's a God of grace. When we've given up on people, when we've given up on nation, when we've given up on the world, Christ has not. And so 6 to 19, yes, we're not going to be here. We're going to be in the vestibule watching what's going on. We're going to be in heaven celebrating the wedding with the church as the bride. But that is God's grace. But right in the middle of the tribulation, right in the middle of the great tribulation, the Antichrist will come in. He's going to be in the third temple. He's going to go into the third temple. He's going to go into the Holy of Holies. And then the Jews are going to say, Oy vey. We missed him. That's right. When we go to Israel, I make it a point. Every time we go to Israel, we go to the Temple Mount Institute because they already have all the artifacts. They have all the furnishings. They have the garments for the high priest. At this point, they claim to have the red heifer. And the red heifer it was not allowed to have... Two white hairs on their body. They're ready to build it. They have them in the stones, the very stones to build the temple. 
And that's going to take place during the Great Tribulation. But they're going to see, wait a minute, we follow this by the book, by the law. We studied this for thousands of years. And how the temple is to be built and the artifacts and all. And we have abomination of desolation coming in to the holy, holy. And that's when the Antichrist is going to claim himself to be God. And they're going to realize Jesus of Nazareth. We said, because anything come good out of Nazareth, yes, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. We missed it. We followed it to the law. Because every time we send the high priest in there, we have to tie his ankle with a rope. The bottom of his garments had to have bells. We had to know that he was in there to see if he was alive. Because if he had sin in his life and he went into the Holy of Holy, he would be dead. And if any man went in there after that, he too would be dead. So they had to pull him. But here they have the Antichrist in the Holy of Holies, right in the middle of the tribulation. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16, he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. The Jews would have to flee and run for their lives because the Antichrist is in the holy of holies and he's out for the nation of Israel. Now, this is important. At the end of the seven years, this is why I'm giving this between verses 25 and 26. Unto the fulfillment of the Gentiles has come. We have been raptured, caught up. And at the end of the seven years, Jesus will return again. This would be his second return. The first time he came, the Gospel of John tells us he came to his own. His own knew him not. He was rejected by his own. As a matter of fact, they crucified him. We all crucified him. But when he comes a second time, because they're already, at this point, they're hiding. They have flee to places. Many believe Petra sees the place where they would go. And after they realize we missed the mark, we're hiding. We've been through this before. This Gentile Savior is supposed to be a Jewish Messiah. Yes, he's the one. But when he comes the second time, Zechariah 12, 10, they say they're going to look on him whom they pierced. Zechariah 12, 10, it says, And I will pour on the house of David and on his habitat of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and the supplication. Then they will look on me. Israel will look to Jesus whom they've pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for the firstborn. The same cry would be as the days when Jesus was in Jerusalem as a babe and Herod went out to kill the first, not the first, the young, any young kids. The same cry is going to be when they see Jesus Christ. John in his gospel quotes this uh, prophecy in John chapter 19, verse 33. He said, they shall look at him whom they pierced. Romans 5.8 shares, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus still died for you, and He still offers you new life. 
If you're ready to learn more about Jesus, we'd like to encourage you to find a local church family that you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, we'd love to have you come join us in person here at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and directions, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen again to today's message, Tracy has information on where to find it. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy, and thank you for tuning in today for another edition of Running the Race.